directly um, or to pray for the sick. And we want our prayers to be effective. We don't want to waste time in prayer. Um, So we want to do things correctly. And the first place that we see where Jesus gives some instructions about prayer is in Matthew chapter 6. The first place we see is Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to start in verse 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. We're kind of starting in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He is talking. This is his first recorded open-air meeting uh, because the masses are following him from synagogue to synagogue. And there's just honestly too many of them um, that are, they, they can't even get in, you know, there's so many they can't even get into the synagogues. And they're following him from place to place. And he kind of has mercy on them, and he says, okay. And he gets them all, you know, he, the disciples get the people all set down. And Jesus begins to teach. Um, and any time that there was, any time that there was a miracle with Jesus, he, had, he always did some type of teaching first. First, he always, Jesus never just showed up on the scene and just laid hands and boom, there was instant healing. That never occurred through the scriptures. Every time he does at least a little bit of teaching, even with Jairus, uh, you know, they were walking to his home. Now, we don't know everything that he said to Jairus while they were walking, but we do see where um, the woman with the issue of blood uh, um, reached up and touched him, and he told Jairus, he said, stay in faith. You know, that, how much you know, just stay, it doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like, stay in faith. That is a teaching. Because, you know, when, when uh, you're in the midst of the battle, it's real easy to get out of faith. Out of faith. So, you know, not every time was the teaching really big, but he did teach every time. And so he's teaching, and um, it doesn't, in Matthew's account, Matthew doesn't show us, any, any interaction between Jesus and those that are listening. And so Jesus is going through in Matthew, and he's uh, correcting a lot of things for the Jews, and he's making them very aware of, of, uh, of how to actually live according to the law because they're still under the Old Testament. And then in, um, then he, in you know, chapter 6, it starts with, the giving of alms or the giving of offerings. And then Jesus kind of just slips right into, at least the way Matthew records it, Jesus slips right into prayer. And he tells us some things to do, to not do in prayer. And so let's read, uh, starting in verse 5, and we'll read just a, a couple of verses here. All right. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So Jesus said right here, he said, when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. We, lay, we, uh, we throw that R in there to help us read it better, but he said, don't be like the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? The hypocrites are people that say one thing to your face and do something different. You know, these are the people that say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but then their lifestyle doesn't show it. He said, don't be like these hypocrites. And then there's a colon there, and he explains exactly what hypocrites he's talking about. He says, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. If the only, way, if the only reason you're praying is so you can say, is so that people can look at you and go, oh, yay, look at you, you show up to prayer service, or, you know, or you're standing in the store and you somebody's in need and you go oh well let's stop and let's pray right now and you kind of make it a show have you ever seen those people i have you know oh let's make it a show uh we have uh one gentleman we've been working on for some year for for a while now and um he's in a wheelchair and and uh he was in um i think he was in a hobby lobby or somewhere he was in a store and uh some lady came up to him and was like oh my god can i pray for you and he said, well, you can do as the scripture says and pray for me in, in the privacy of your home. And, well, she made this real big to do. Oh, no, the Bible tells us that we need to pray instantly. And he's, and he's like, I, I really don't want your prayer um, publicly. 
How many of you know this person was praying to be seen, praying over the handicapped man? It wasn't about trying. It wasn't about what he needed. It was about what she needed. And God said, and Jesus said this. He said, if this is your motive, is to get the rewards of men or to be seen by man. You already have your reward. In other words, that's all that your prayer is going to do is get you kudos for praying. I think sometimes, no, not all the times, and I think in this note we need to be careful. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of prayer ministries out there. There's a lot of prayer ministries where they say, hey, post your need and we'll pray for you, and, and everybody jumps on there. Or somebody will say, hey, there's a prayer need, and people will jump on there and say praying and i think that sometimes we're in that if we're not thinking carefully we're doing it to be seen oh look so and so's praying and so and so's praying and so and so's praying and oh if you get to so and so they'll pray every time we we need to be real careful about this in our you know we think of it this is the holy ghost talking to me you know we say well we don't really see people see on the street corners praying but we see them on social media all the time. And you do occasionally see people on the street corners praying. You, you do occasionally. But not all the time. But, but how much, you know, we see it on social media all the time. Somebody will put a prayer out there. And, you know, here's the, if you put a prayer request out there, are you putting it out there so people can be know your need? Or are you putting it out there so you can see how many people are praying? Because if you're putting it out there just so you can see how many people are praying, you're getting your reward for your prayer request, and they're also getting their reward because people can look at it and see. So we need to be real careful about it. Now, does that mean that I don't ever respond to people's prayer needs? No, actually, I do. Um, if we have somebody um, that we, we personally know, um, and we know this is not their heart, we know this is not their situation, um, I can think of one person I know personally um, he knows ministers all across the nation and, and multiple countries. Um, and so the easiest, fastest way for him to get a prayer request out there is social media. And so he'll just simply say something like, you know, I uh, had a little fall, ended up with a situation, um, need, could, could use my prayer warriors right now. And, you know, if that's the situation, then I'll let him know, hey, Rather, we're praying. I don't write a long, drawn-out prayer, anything like that. I'll just thumbs up him and let him know, hey, we're praying for you. Um, but we need to be careful about this type of praying. Um, you know, what what is the motive of the heart is what I'm saying. And then, oh, like unspoken prayer requests? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, on the other side of that, if if you're out in public and spirit moves on you, pray for someone you shouldn't hide from that no 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 notice he said notice he said for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men we need to make sure that our motive is not to be seen of men but our motive is to bring god on the scene yes and that's what jesus is talking about Jesus is taught, really what Jesus is talking about is the motive of the heart. Why are you putting it out there for everybody to see you praying? And uh, verse 6, he, he goes on. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know, this is part of why we don't broadcast our prayer services. Some churches do. There's nothing wrong with that because they, you know, they've got people that say, "Hey, I want to join in on prayer, but I'm I can't be there. I can put, you know, I can put my ear thing in at work, and I can work and I can pray in line with what you're praying with, but I can't be there to pray." Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, there's certain times that you need to go in your prayer closet. You need to go in the secret place or the or the or the private place. And you need to just be you and God. Just you and God. And you need to pray. And then as you pray, you begin, you know, and then you, you begin to see things, the fruit of your prayers. We've got people on our prayer list that we pray for on a very regular basis that nobody knows we pray for. But then we hear their testimonies. And we go, oh, Lord. 
You know, oh, praise God, the word is working. Look at that testimony. We prayed for that person's healing, and look at them. They're healed. You know, that's our reward. Um, so, again, it's a heart issue, and there's all, and you also need to know when, like Pastor Mike said, if you're out in public and the Spirit truly says, pray for that person, um, then, then pray for that person. You know, there's a lot of times that... Um, I'll be driving, and, and this has just only been in the, just in the last few years that I've, got, that I've noticed a real urge to do this. Um, I'll see somebody that's homeless, or maybe they're not homeless, but they're clearly down on their luck, and they're, you know, they're walking, but they look rough. Maybe, maybe they're talking to themselves a lot in kind of in a creepy way type thing. You, know, you can just tell that they're, you know, there's a darkness about them, something like that. And I'll just begin to pray for him in my car. Father, just, Father, I don't know that person, that man or that woman's situation, but Father, it really appears from the outside that they are really struggling um, in their day-to-day and, and they need your provision and they need your love and they need your guidance. And Father, just have your hand upon them. How many of you know that's praying in the secret? And eventually, you know, I might, you know, later on somewhere down the road, I might run into that same person and they'd be doing just fine. Uh, they're doing well. You know, they may be doing well. I've gotten words before, you know, where we were, there was somebody in my heart that I was praying for just privately, and I got word through the grapevine of the community that they got saved and they're serving God. How much you know? That's a reward. That's a reward. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let's keep going here. All right. Verse 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. Oh, glory. This is a big one. This is a big one. I run into Christians all the time, and they'll say things like, Oh, I pray the Lord's Prayer, and I pray the, you know, the Shepherd's Prayer, you know, Psalms 23, or I pray Psalms 91 every day. Those are good, those are good scriptures to pray. But Jesus said, Do not use vain repetition. Vain repetition. In other words, don't pray over and over, the same thing over and over and over. To where it has no meaning. He said, he said, but when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen. That word do is italicized and it gives us a, a, a colon there. He said, don't pray as the heathen. Now, let's think about who Jesus was talking to. Jesus was talking to a multitude of Jews that were following him from multiple countries that were ruled by the Romans. And the Romans were very much so pagans, pagan people, pagan gods. They, they had pagan temples everywhere you looked. And um, the, the pagan worshipers, they would, they would routinely go into the pagan temples reciting the same prayers and the same chants as they were going to temple, when they were coming from temple, while they were in the temple. Um, and, there, this, and, and many times, most of them prayed at the same time of day, every day. Um, and so it was a very loud, um, thunderous commotion. And, and the Jews were inundated with this every day. So when Jesus said, don't pray like the heathen, the Jews truly understood what this meant. It's not about the number of words. It's not about how often you pray. It's not about how many times you repeat yourself. He said, don't, don't pray to the Father. And why do we not pray that way? Because our Father God is higher. And he, desire, and he, and he deserves higher knowledge or higher reverence. He said, he had noticed that colon. And then he said, for they think. Notice they're coming at prayer from a mental mindset. They think that thou shalt be heard for much speaking. Have you ever run into people that will pray to God? You know, they're real soft. I've seen this happen. I, I, I was in a room where this happened. We were in a room with a whole bunch of people, and everybody was real soft-spoken. Everybody was real nice and real gentle. And then they said, let's pray. And oh, my gosh. They all had invisible megaphones that we were unaware of. 
They got loud, really, really loud. And they got real wordy and real excessive with their words. They thought that if they were loud enough and wordy enough and long-winded enough that God would hear them. And now when it comes to the pagan gods, the pagan gods, because they're really demons, that was what pagan gods are, the demons like to torment people. And so the pagan gods were like non-responsive if the people were not really honestly embarrassing themselves enough, to be honest. They just, I mean, really, the pagan gods were like, well, if you make a big enough fool of yourself, maybe I'll respond. Um, and so that's how they, they came to their God in prayer. But God said, I'm not hard of hearing. <laughs> Our God, Jesus said, the Father God, he's not hard of hearing. He doesn't need a lot of eloquent words. He doesn't need all of that. He said, no, it's not, you're, you're, you're not going to, God doesn't respond because you pray long. He doesn't respond because you pray long. Our God responds because you pray in faith. Because you pray in faith. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. Bridget brought up a great well, point that saying... Well, fervent prayer as well. Well, no... Yeah, 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 and we're going to talk about this a little bit. Um, so Bridget brought up a great point, talking about in today's world, this kind of thing, you, you think of the person that's begging God, oh, God, please, oh, God, please, please heal my child, please heal this person, please, oh, God, if I just pray long enough and hard enough, well, we'll get God to respond. And then that would fall into the ones that want the whole community to pray for their 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 one problem. Well, you know, like it, if you get if I just get enough people to pray the same prayer, then God'll hear it and it'll it's it's still vain it's still repetition. That's that that is there is the point of many people, but some people think, well, if I just get on my face in my prayer closet quietly before, behind behind closed doors and I just pray long if I beg Hard enough, if I plead hard enough, God will hear me. And that's not how God operates. No, what God wants you to do is he wants you to come to him in faith. He wants you to come in faith. What you might need to do before you get into the praying real hard is you might need to do some meditating on the scripture that you're standing on Let's say, let's say you're believing for healing. You might want to, you might want to get alone with God and meditate on Galatians 3.13. For Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Christ has redeemed. God, let me, let me think this over. What does it mean to be redeemed? What is the curse? What's involved in the curse? And you might need to meditate on that and mull that over and get, get it down on the inside of you before you ever go to your prayer closet. Dad Hagen used to say this. He, he used to say, he said there were many, many, many times that he would pull out his scriptures and he would just be meditating on the word. And before he could even pray, people would get healed. Why? Because he was building his faith. He was speaking the word. Um, through meditation, not through vain reputa- repetition of prayer, but through meditation, just mulling that word over and over and over and over. But here he said, he said, but when you pray, use not vain repetition. What he's saying is don't ask for the same thing over and over again, because the Bible tells us in Mark, he, the Bible tells us that when you pray, believe that you receive. Yes. Well, if you have, if you've said, well, God, I believe that I have received whatever it is you need, healing, prosperity, provision, whatever you need, then why are you going back and asking for it again? And why are you begging? Right. Because if you believe you received, you then don't have to continue begging. Then that settled it. But when you're begging God, then there's no faith mixed with it. Right. Yes. There's no faith there, there, mixed you're, with you're it. missing that element of faith or trust. Right. If you're beg, begging lends to you don't think that the answer is going to be yes. 
Right. Let's read a little bit more because Jesus kind of answers this question for us. Um, he said, uh, verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. He said, listen, he said, don't, be be don't beg like people that have, that people without faith beg. He said, because the reality is God already knows what you need. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothes. He knows what you have need of, and he knows what you have desire for. He just wants you to ask him in faith. So Jesus said, he said, listen, he said, you're not trying to make God aware. Let's say you're a mom and you've got you, you, your parents, a husband and a wife. You're the mom. You know that your kid has, needs some new shoes. You're not sitting there in your prayer closet going, oh, God, oh, God, Johnny, Johnny really needs a new pair of shoes. Lord, his shoes have got holes. His big toe sticks out the bottom of his shoe. We put tape on it, but that tape just doesn't hold because Johnny, what, what, what is that? That's begging. That's making excuses. God said, listen, daughter, I already know that Johnny needs a new pair of shoes. I already have a provision for Johnny's shoes. Just ask me. But you have to go in faith. Well, if you don't know that God already knows that Johnny has a need, if you don't know that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, then are you going to have faith that God's going to give Johnny his shoes? No. So you've got to build your faith first. And then when you go to God in faith, knowing that God is going to provide all of Johnny's needs according to, Christ, uh, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, knowing that the Father already knows, God, you already know, now you can go to the Lord and you can go, Lord, um, you know that Johnny needs a new pair of shoes because your word tells me that you already know what he has need of. So, Father, I'm just asking you to provide, because your word says that you're the provider, that you provide my son Johnny with a new pair of shoes that will last him a little while. Um, when you do that, then you're going in faith, and there's no need to beg and plead. There's no need to repeat yourself because you already confidently know God's already got Johnny's shoes on the way. Now, I'm not saying that being loud or begging or repetitions might not work sometimes because we all have to stop, start somewhere. God will have mercy. And God will have mercy. When you're an infant, you don't know that your parents, you know, know what your needs are and stuff. So when you need something, you just cry as loud as you can until they figure it out. And it works for a while. But as you grow and as you learn, you learn that you don't have to cry every time you need something. You can just ask. Yeah. And that's what God, that's the place God wants us to get to. Yeah, is out of that infancy of crying all the time to just, hey, God, we have a relationship. By the way, I could use some of this. Some of the biggest blessings I have ever gotten from God are things that I prayed for without even just, just casual relation, just casual relationship. Just, you know, Father God. One of them, uh, uh, God used Jackie for Christmas. I, I, I got to where I was like, God, I want a kind of a chunky, long, white necklace that'll fit some of the stuff that I wear. Well, guess what? And that, it was just real casual. I wasn't, I wasn't in my prayer closet on my knees begging and pleading. I was simply getting dressed, and I said, hey, God, it'd be really nice. I, God, I really need a, a white, a longer white necklace. And it's got a little bit of chunkiness to it that'll go with my outfits. I, I just really could use that, and I, and I thank you for it. And I never gave it another thought. And then here Jackie came and gave me my Christmas present. Guess what it is? It's a chunky white necklace. And, I, and I've worn it multiple times already. And I'm like, God, you are so good. How much do you know? That, what is that? That's, that's knowing that God will provide me what I need and what I desire and then simply asking. I didn't have to... You know, I didn't have to pray Psalms 91 and Psalms 23 and the Lord's Prayer. And I didn't have to push this button and pull that lever and push that pull that chain. All I had to do was know what belonged to me and, and have a conversation with God like I believed his word. And, uh, and, and I've got lots and lots and lots of examples of stuff like that happening. Let's Amen. read on. Verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our right. Father, let's let's pause right here. Stop right there. Let's okay. pause right here before we get into this, because many people will say, 
Well, Jesus said, uh, <laughs> after this manner, pray ye, pray, pray therefore. He said, after this manner. So, we're, so many people read that verse and they go, well, the Lord wants us to pray this prayer. All the so time. I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning when I get out of bed. That's not what Jesus said. How much do you know is con- the Word of God never contradicts itself? And Jesus got, just got done saying, do not use rote prayers. Or vain repetitions. Or, re- or vain repetitions. How much do you know if I memorize this, this prayer, and I say it every day, but I have no idea what the words mean, or, or I mean other than what the words are, if I have no idea what this means, that is the very definition of vain repetition. When he says, after this manner... The Greek word manner right there, when you look that word up, that word actually means pray in this fashion or pray in this style or pray using this format. And the Jews would have understood that language. Um, the, the Jews would have not, the Jews would have never said, well, he told us not to use rote prayers, but now he told us to use this rote prayer. Isn't it just like God? To contradict himself, because that's what the that's what the Gentiles gods do, is they is they and that's what was and so God Jesus was coming bringing them a God that operated differently than the pagan gods. The pagan gods contradict themselves at every turn. So when he said pray in this manner or pray in this fashion, pray in this style, the Jews knew that Jesus was not giving them a rote prayer. And what Jesus was giving them instead was a blueprint, was a blueprint to prayer. Now, before we get into this, let me say this. When you pray like this, this is not going to take you five minutes. Mm-mm. Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus lived a lifestyle where he fellowshiped with God all day long. Uh, somebody asked Dad Hagen one time, Kenneth E. Hagen one time, they said, uh, Dad Hagen, term of endearment, they said, Dad Hagen, how, how long do you pray every day? And he sat and he thought about it, and he thought about it for a while, and he thought, you know, you, I, think, I think the question was, how long does it get you, take you to get through your prayers, is I think what the question was. And he said, you know, I don't think I ever completely finish a single prayer, because it was a lifestyle for him. And that's what we're supposed to do. I don't remember if it was him or if it was Smith Wigglesworth. One of them was asked one time, you know, how long, how, how long do you pray every day? And they said, and, and the response was, you know, I don't think I pray more than five minutes at a time, but I also don't go five, longer than five minutes without praying. In other words, he, in other words, he said, let, let me say that again. He said, I don't, he said, I don't think I ever pray longer than five minutes. How much you know? It's not about the number of words that you use. Jesus just said it's not about the number of words. He said, I don't ever go more, longer than five minutes in prayer, but I don't ever go longer than five minutes without prayer. Because the scripture tells us to take all things to God in prayer. So this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that we use throughout our entire day. It's not a five-minute prayer, a ten-minute prayer. This is a lifestyle prayer. We could say you start this prayer in the morning, and you can end this prayer at the end of the day. He said, So then he gives us the prayer. And he says, Our Father, which art in heaven. How do you start a prayer? When you start your prayer, the first thing you do is you call God's name. Who are you addressing? It's like you're, Think of it like you're writing a letter. Who are you addressing this? This conversation too. You can say Father God, Lord Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. But here much you know, the scriptures tell us that when we pray, when we make requests, we're to make the request to the Father. We can say Majesty. We can say Yahweh. We can say Elohim. We can say um, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. We can say uh, God, Emmanuel, you know, we're, what are we doing? God with us? We're, we can call on the various names of God, but call on God, let him know that you're talking to him. Have you ever been in a group of people and somebody just started talking and you, you heard them talking, but it didn't register? And then after they've been talking for a few minutes, you realize, 
oh, wait, they've been talking to me, and I'm not really sure what they said. Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen. You know, somebody else is, and I'll be like, wait, are you talking to me? They, they didn't get my attention. So the first step in prayer is get God's attention. Call his name. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, call upon the Father. Get his name. And maybe throw a few compliments to him. Well, that's Give him the, a minute to go, oh, hey, he's talking to me. Well, that's the next step. That's the very next step is hallowed be thy name. His name is not hollow. It's hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. That is a type of praise. Once you get God's attention, don't just go, don't just, don't be like Jimmy and just give me, give me. No, go to get his attention and then begin to praise him. Begin to talk to him. Now, praise, let's clarify what praise is. Praise is giving God honor for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. That's praise. You can give, take a few minutes and praise him. And you can take a few minutes in worshiping. Worship is giving God honor simply for who he is. Majesty. <laughs> Lord God, awe. You know, Father, I just, Father, awe. You know, A-W-E, awe. I stand in awe of you. It's actually one of his names, believe it or not. Uh, you know, just <laughs> creator and upholder of the heavens and the earth. How much, you know, that's, that's worship. If it moved you, if it moved you, if you, if your spirit moves you, you could even sing him a song. Yep. Wake up and this is, this is so you know you can get away as soon as you, you can train yourself that as soon as you engage in the morning, there's a lot of times my spirit engages long before my brain ever engages. You know the first the first thought in my mind before I ever open my eyes is good morning, Father. Father, I praise you. Father, I th Father, thank you for giving me another day. Father, thank you for giving me breath. Father, I thank you that you've already prepared all things for me this morning. Father, I thank you for everything that you have done, will do, and are doing. Father, you know, and what are we doing? We're beginning this process of prayer. Prayer, simply put, is communication with God. Simply put. So we can start communicating with God first thing in the morning. And we can continue this conversation all day long. And we can come in and out of this conversation. Here's what you don't, and, and here's the really cool thing. If you make this your day-long process, when something comes along in the middle of the day, you don't have to start your prayers all over again. You know, <laughs> so you get up in the morning, oh, Father God, <laughs> Father, I get your attention. I give you some praise. By the way, let me do some supplications. Let me talk to you about this. Let me talk to you about this. Oh, by the way, down here I get to meet. Okay, Lord, amen. I'll give you some praises. And I walk out the door, and now I've got a situation, and I've got to start the whole process over again because I've got to get to where I... No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. He said, pray after this manner. Number one, get the Father's attention. Just keep his attention all day long, praising him, worshiping, talking to him. Um, hallowed be thy name, giving praise, giving honor. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is where we pray for God's will to be done on the earth. Father, I just want your will to be done on the earth today. Father, anything that, Father, we just loose the powers of heaven this morning. That your will, Father, we, that your will be done. Father, it's my desire that your will be done on my job this morning. Father, everywhere we go, Father, we want to see people healed. We want to see people made whole. We want to see people saved and people restored. Father, send laborers out into the, in, into the works of the, uh, of the earth. Father, send me out. If it's your will that I do something today, let yeah, me know please. what it is and give me yeah. the boldness to do it. Yeah. Father, lead me. Use me. Use me, Lord. Um, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. You might want to say, use others, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but, no, but, no, but, no. But, I mean, seriously, how much you, how much you know, you need to pray that others will do the Father's will. Right, but Think yourself about that. too. Well, but this part here, he said, right now we're praying about the kingdom. Father, your will be done. Father, may my family do your will today. Father, may my church members do your will today. Father, may my pastors fulfill your will today. May Father, do, may my may boss your fulfill today. your will today. You know, because right here, he's not talking about self. He's talking about heaven coming and encountering the earth. 
Father, may those that sit in darkness come to know great light today. That's what this step is about. He said, you know, pray that the Father's kingdom. This is a really good place to pray in the Spirit. Father, I don't know what you want done today, but Father, I'm going to release my spirit to pray for a while that your will can come to pass on the earth. And then just take off praying in the other spirit. It's praying in tongues. We're going to see here in a few minutes that when Jesus is teaching about prayer, he directly connects this prayer with praying in the Holy Ghost. He said, um, he, so, so the next step is thy kingdom come. Thou will, thou will be done in the earth. How much do you know? We know, Father, help our, Father, help our nation to turn from their wicked ways. Amen. Father, help our nation to come to you in surrenderance and repentance, turning away from the sins that so easily beset them. You know, that's not judging people. That's just saying, Father, we can't do this thing without you. We can't do this thing without you. And then once you spend some time talking to the Lord about his will being done on the earth in your English and in your spirit, the next thing you can talk to the Lord about is give us this day our daily bread. How many of you know the word of God is your daily bread? Father, Father, what scripture would you have me look at today? Amen. Father, what Spirit, Father, is there a, a scripture in the spirit? Is there a scripture stirring in my spirit that maybe I need to look at? Maybe there's something I need to meditate on. You know, Lord, the pastor puts some scriptures in the bulletin every week. Let's talk about those scriptures, Lord. Is that bread for me today or is there something different? Give us this day our daily bread. This is, uh, this is actually meditation in your day. That's what this, that's what this verse or this step of prayer is is meditating on the word that's what this whole step is about it's not actually it doesn't have to do with physical nourishment it has to do with spiritual nourishment you know father you know and there's a lot of times i'll get up and i'll just you know throughout my day i'll go hey hey uh uh holy ghost what scripture do we want to talk about today holy ghost what word do you want to talk about today and, and, and within just a couple of, you know, most of the time, within just a minute or two, a certain scripture will come to mind. Or a certain uh, uh, story, out of the, an account out of the Bible will come to mind. And I'll go, huh. The other day, Brianna was at our house, and I thought, Lord Jesus, what have you done to us? <laughs> the other day, Brianna was at our house, and just Samson kept rolling over in my spirit. And I said, well, Lord, I haven't read on Samson in a long time. Uh, I guess we'll go look that up and go read in that. So we got over there into Kings and looked at or Judges because, you know, uh, Samuel was one of the, I mean, Samson. Samson was one of the judges. And let me tell you what, Michael and I were reading, Michael, Brianna and I were reading it, and I was like, this is just, this is, because Samson got with everybody. You, every time you turned around, he was with somebody else physically in a sexual sense, and not just one but many. And, and, and if it wasn't him getting with somebody, it was his wife. And if it wasn't his wife, it was Delilah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is not. I, I finally looked at Brianna. I said, you didn't know all this filth was in the Bible, did you? <laughs> and she's like, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, but I got to looking at it, and I see, you know, after we read it, I said, that actually, while we were reading it, I kept going, this is the church today. Here they are. God's providing. And here they are just being a whore on Jesus, because that's really what he was. And I'm like, oh, come on. But, you know, the, the, where it says give us his daily bread, there were some good points in there. How much do you know? In the end, Samson got it right. In the end, he defended Israel and helped set Israel free from the, Palestin from, uh, the uh, Palestinians. Or the The Philistines. Philistines. That's the word I was looking <laughs> Which is Palestine today, but I was trying to get the Old Testament word. The Philistines. He did eventually get them set free from the Philistines, but it it took a process. And, uh, and in that, I realized, you know what? Despite how many times we, the children of God, mess up on God, God's still willing to send us a Savior. No, no matter how many times we mess this thing up, God is still willing to, save, to send us a Savior. And I thought, man, that's so good. How much you know? That's our daily bread. Yes. 
When you spend time thinking on the Word, talking on the Word, getting the Word. Listen, you can do this part right here by driving your car to work and just putting on a teaching and then carrying that teaching with you throughout the day. Give us, a, give us, the day, give us this day our daily bread. A little devotional. You have a devotional. And carry that devotional and, and think on it. When you take a meal, I love how what Smith Wigglesworth used to do. Every time he'd eat a meal, he'd, he'd push back from the table. He'd pull out his little New Testament out of his Bible, out of his pocket, and he'd say, well, we fed the body, now let's feed the spirit. What was he doing? Daily bread. Daily bread. Glory to God. All right. Next step. Oh, this is a step we all like to skip over. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many, he said, this is, where you, this is where the action of repentance takes in. Father, as I think about those that I have unforgiveness towards, listen, unforgiveness will creep up on you. You can go through a situation and you can go, I'm good. I'm chose, I, I choose to forgive that person. I'm dropping that charge. I'm letting that charge go. I've moved on. I'm good. And you can walk days, weeks, months, and years and not have any issues. And then all of the sudden, you come in contact with that person or a similar situation happens that you either hear about or that you experience. And all of the sudden, bubbling up from the inside is all of this unforgiveness that you didn't even know was in you. <laughs> Lord, I thought I forgave that person. Oh, well, well, you did. You forgave them to this level. Now I need you to forgive them on this level. Oh, oh okay. Um, so this is something that you need to go through every day with God. Father, is there any unforgiveness in me? Am I carrying unforgiveness? And here's something that a lot of people don't realize is unforgiveness. Father, do I have any bitterness toward a person? Do I have any, do I have any hard feelings? Do I kind of snarl when I, when I think of that person? Or do I kind of grimace when that person comes to mind? If so, that, that, that situation is trying to get root in your life, and you've got to get that root out of there. And so this is the time that you, that you sit back and you say, Lord, I choose to, Lord, I, I, you know, I forgave them, but I didn't, I didn't quite forgive them, you know, as well as I should have. You know, I'm still kind of, it's perfectly acceptable to say, you know, I forgave them for the initial act, but honestly, Lord, I'm, I'm still kind of irked that they're out there living large and sin and they got it going on and I'm over here just trying to get by. Um, I'm a little irked at that, like... Where's your justice? How much you know? That can creep in on you. That can creep in on you. You know, and, and so you got to go, you know what, Lord? You know what? It doesn't matter what they're doing because I recognize that's a trap that Satan set for them, and they don't even realize how far into sin and how far into Satan's territory they've got. You know what, Lord? I, I forgive them, and, Father, I really ask that, that you help them to see the truth of their situation. I'm not judging their situation one way or the other, Lord, but, but I mean, you, you tell us to judge by fruit, and by fruit, they're in a bad way. And so, Father, just, I choose to forgive them, and will you forgive me for holding that kind of, that, that kind of resentment towards them? And the Lord will do it. But this is a process that, that and again, this is something that you go through throughout your day because in the morning you may not even be thinking about uh, uh, Sally Sue down the road. But then all of a sudden you go down here to Walmart and here comes Sally Sue living large and you all of a sudden go, Arr! and you go, oh, what was that? Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, uh, Lord, we got some work to do. Father, I choose to forgive them. Forgive me, I didn't realize that unforgiveness was in there. I didn't, you, you, and this is why this is an all-day thing. You're constantly, constantly in conversation with the Lord about these things. Constantly in there. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing is, Father, we forgive, says, and, and um, forgive us our debts. Or as, our sins. Or our sins as, as we forgive our debtors. Um, sometimes you are your own debtor. 
you need to forgive yourself. Sometimes you have sinned against yourself. You've done wrong against yourself. And you've, and you've told the Lord you're sorry, but you're still carrying the weight of it against yourself. You need to forgive yourself. Most, I, I see a lot of Christians that will forgive other people, but they refuse to forgive themselves. They refuse. And God doesn't want you to carry um, unforgiveness around towards yourself. Listen, we all mess up. We all make mistakes from time to time. You don't need to beat yourself over the head with it. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this is a little different for the Jews than for us. They were still under the Old Testament at this point. And at this point, they needed the Father God to to, um, stand between them and Satan. Because at that point, God had all the authority. But now we have authority. And so now, our prayer looks at something like this. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my footsteps so I don't go places where I'm tempted. Holy Spirit, direct me away from the things that cause me to fall into sin. You know, Holy Spirit, direct me that I don't get, that, that direct my steps so that I don't get over there into lustful behaviors. Help steer me away from those things. Because now we have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our steps. The other side of this is different for us is we have authority over Satan. This is where uh, they, the Jews, had to rely on God. Now we have to say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. You will not come to steal, kill, and destroy from me today. You will not bring sickness on my life. You will not cause me to be tempted today. To, and and uh, I will overcome any temptation. I mean, don't, don't, dog, don't dare the devil to tempt you. But at the same time, just say, Father, I thank you because I have authority, power, might, and dominion that I'll overcome every temptation today because of what I have in you and through you. So this one looks a little different. Um, But deliver us from evil. This is actually the same place that we pray for our, our, our needs. This is the same place that we pray for ourselves. Father, don't, don't let me do something stupid today. <laughs> Father, help me to make all the right choices. Father, help me to lead, be led by the Spirit. Father, if, Father, you know. Father, lead me by still waters. Yeah, lead me beside those still waters, Father God. Father, help keep my eyes set from the impulse items at the grocery store. Like, like help me to not do those impulse buys. You know, help me. You know, that's where you kind of intercede for yourself. Where, Father, let your will be done. That's where you're interceding for others. But can you see? But, here, but the reason that this is an all-day prayer is because you don't know what you're going to face that afternoon. And if you only pray this prayer in the morning, then what are you going to do in the afternoon when temptation comes? No, when, you, when that temptation hits to get angry or that temptation hits to get frustrated, you don't go, well, I already prayed this morning and... I asked Jesus to tempt me, but I guess my prayers didn't, or I asked Jesus to to lead me me. away from temptation, (laughs) but I guess my prayer didn't work because, look, there's a temptation. No, that's not how this works. No, in that moment, you pick up in your prayer and you say, Father, I ask you to help me overcome this temptation. Father, lead me away from this temptation. Help me to to resist this desire to give into the flesh right now. And then... The wonderful end is this. He said, lead us away from temptation, or lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Close out your day, close out your time of prayer with worship. Thanking him, praising him. In fact, the larger percentage of your prayer, about 10% of your prayer time, should be request and 90% of your prayer time should be praise and thanksgiving. Because we're only, we're supposed to, when we pray, believe that we receive, which means we say, Father, we thank you that we have. See, if I prayed yesterday, let's say I prayed yesterday for um, a financial system situation to be taken care of. Father, I have this set financial need and I ask you to meet that need in Jesus' name. I don't come back in today and say, Father, I ask that you meet my financial need over that situation. Why? Because I've already done it. Now I say, Father, 
I just put you in remembrance that I ask that you took care of that financial need. And, Father, I just give you honor and glory and praise that it's done. Uh, I worship you, you it. that it's done. I thank you that that need is taken care of. I thank you that that need is met. Um, and uh, he goes on from here and he talks about um, some other things. Um, and then later on he talks about um, receiving of the Holy Ghost. He, he talks about, let me get this here. Well, I, I want to jump. I, I, I don't want to go there just yet. Go to Luke chapter 11. we got just a few minutes. Go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, he says this. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Now, the way Luke records this is this is a different time, and, a dis and he had been praying, and a disciple came up and said, uh, Jesus, why don't you teach us to pray? Um, so Luke records this as, as a little bit of a different time, but if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find that there were a bunch of people uh, following Jesus and thronging him and making requests of him, and that's when he decided to sit down and do the open-air meeting. So is it possible that Jesus taught that this was Luke's recording of the same type of teaching? It is, or this could be a different time. But look at what he, the, this, this person said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And this is what Jesus says in verse 2. And he said unto them, When ye pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, he doesn't end out the prayer right there. He just says this is the basic format. But then it says, and he said unto them, but then he continues. Without closing out the Lord's Prayer, Jesus continues on in teaching how to pray. So let's read what Jesus is teaching here. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is, is journey, in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Let's keep going. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is, his, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Okay, so Jesus, what is the subject here? He's still talking about how to pray effectively. He's telling this young disciple, he said, first of all, you're going to follow this basic format. Secondly, there's something else that you need to pray effectively. And he begins to, and he says, and he tells them, he said, you need this not because of, any, because there's something special about you, but you need this because of your need. In other words, you are not going to be able to achieve everything in prayer that you need to achieve unless you have this gift from the Father. What is that gift? 
the Holy Spirit. What is it about the Holy Spirit that makes you able to pray effectively? It's praying in other tongues. So Jesus, we see this more plainly in Luke, Jesus is telling them in order to pray effectively for everything that you need in your life, you need to pray in English, but you also need to pray out of your or not English, your known language. You need to pray out of your known language. Let me say it that way. And you also need to be able to pray out of your spirit. And, and here's why. Go to Romans chapter 8. Now, we see this same thing in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7 where he's talking about the Holy Ghost, but there's a space in between it so you don't really connect it. But why do we need the Holy Spirit to help us to pray? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Romans chapter 8. Let me get there. Verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That, where it says infirmities, that word is translated in other places in the Bible. Our weaknesses, our sicknesses... Our or, failings. Or, or our failings. So when, when, we're, when we're struggling in temptation, when we're struggling to forgive, when, we're, when we are in a situation of dire need and we prayed everything we know to pray in English and we're like, we just don't know what else to do, that's when the Spirit helps our infirmities. It helps our weakness. When we don't know what else to pray, that's when the Holy Spirit can help us to pray. Look at how he helps us. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Really, it should say himself, the Holy Spirit. When we've prayed out everything that we know to understand how to pray, the, and we engage our spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead, comes alongside our spirit and says, here's what you need, here's how you ask for it, this is what you pray. And the Holy Spirit gives your spirit an unction, and then you, of your own free will, you speak that unction out, or whatever your prayer language sounds like, you speak that out, and you are begin now you are making requests from your spirit to God's Spirit on, and not only are you making requests spirit to spirit, but you're making requests spirit to spirit using spiritual language and spiritual law, so that God can get to get you what you need. So many times when people are in the battle, I'll look at them and I'll say, "How are you praying in the spirit?" And immediately they go, "No." Well, that's why you're not getting your answer is because you're not using the tool that Jesus gave us. Jesus said, yes, you can pray in your understanding, and these are the basic principles that you can pray. But what you need to put you over to get you the missing link is praying in the Spirit. And, he said, and Jesus even said, he said, I'm not giving you the Spirit because of something because there's something special about you. I'm giving you the Spirit because without the Spirit, you cannot pray effectively. You can't pray effectively. And notice what he says. He said, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, himself maketh intercession. The Holy, when you release your Spirit to pray in agreement with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit becomes your intercessor. The Holy Spirit is the one that stands between you and God to get you what you need. It's like going to court without a lawyer. How much do you know? Going to court without a lawyer that knows the law is not a good choice. No. You can do it. You're legally allowed to do it. But it most often does not work out in your favor at all. No, no, no. You want to go to the courtroom of heaven with the lawyer that knows the law inside and out. You want to go to the courtroom of heaven with the best lawyer there is. Jesus That's the Christ. Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost knows all the law. And so the Holy Ghost comes along your spirit and he says, say this. Don't say that. Present it like this. Don't present it like 
In fact, you just sit there and hush and let me do the talking for you. <laughs> oh, okay. And you let the Holy Spirit begin to talk for you and through you. And, and why? Because he's very, he, plain, he says, he says, for we know not uh, what we should pray as we ought. Not only do we not know what to pray, we don't know how to pray for it in legal spiritual jargon. Oh, but thank God the Holy Ghost does. He says, uh, making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, there's words that I need. There are spiritual words that I need to use in prayer that my brain can't can't even. All my spirit, all my brain knows is there some noise, is there something coming out of the spirit, and I'm going to give voice to it. And sometimes it sounds like words, and sometimes it sounds like sounds. Sometimes it sounds like nothing more than a groan. But the Holy Spirit says, huh, that's legal jargon. We're, we, we're making precedents. We're arguing precedents right now. We're arguing the law right now. And notice it says, and he searches the heart, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to... The will of God. Amen. Now that to the the will of God is italicized, but we we can say it this way because He maketh intercession for the saints according to God. The holy when we pray in the Spirit, we're not arguing our viewpoint from a child's viewpoint. When we pray in the Spirit, we're we're arguing our case like God would argue it. How much do you know? Hey, have you you've ever worked with some little kids? And some little kids, now they can come up with some good reasoning. Let's say they want some M&Ms from the store. Let's just say they want some M&Ms from the store. And the M&Ms are right there, and, and they grab the little M&Ms, and they put them in their pocket, and they go home. And the reason they want their M&Ms is to give it to their neighbor who loves M&Ms and can't have them, or, and they don't have the money for them, whatever. And you, you, the little kid, why did you take that that doesn't belong to you? I wasn't taking it for me. I was taking it for little Billy. Little Billy loves M&M's, but they don't ever have any money for little Billy to get M&M's. How much do you know, um, little, you know, your child has a good, has a good case, but at the same time, his case don't fly because he's still a thief. But how much do you know? You can, you can get somebody that knows the law, that knows the law really well, and maybe, maybe just, I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just using this as an example. Maybe just, maybe, Somewhere on the ancient law books, there's a thing that says that if there's somebody that is in critical need, you can, you can take something without paying for it in a humanitarian effort and not be charged with that. Maybe there's that law in the book. You don't know that law is there, but your lawyer knows that law is there, so you can get little Billy, so you can get your child off on that law. Well, how much do you know? The Holy Ghost knows all the ancient laws. You see what I'm saying? It's just an example. But if, you don't, but if you don't access that Holy Ghost, can you argue your case well? No. No. So to pray effectively, when you're up against sickness, sometimes when you're up against sickness and disease, you're praying and you're rebuking this sickness and it's just not going and it's just not going and it's not going. But you cannot for the life of you figure out why. So you get into your prayer closet and you start to seek God. And you start to, Father, I don't know what the problem is. I've, I've received healing. I've rebuked the sickness. I've commanded the sickness to go. But that sickness is just hanging on. Uh, every time I say we're going to get a good report, we get a bad report. I'm working my faith. My faith is starting to feel weak, Lord. I don't know what the problem is. So, Lord, I'm just going to go into my prayer closet, and I'm going to seek your face. And I'm going to see. And, Father, if there's anything that's blockading my, my healing, Will you please show it to me? And you take off in the Spirit. And you start praying. Oh, no, 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 no. You're just praying in the Holy Ghost. You might be there for five minutes. You might be there for five hours. Depends on what you're having to plead out. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, Well, yeah, you got an open door. you got this situation over here. And you go, Now I see it, Lord. And you close that door. And now sickness has to go because you close the door. But how much, you know, you would have never found out that that was the problem if you didn't have the Holy Ghost to help you pray it out to find the issue. This is why Jesus said, yes, you need to pray in your known language, 
but you also need to pray in the Spirit. There's a huge deficit when it comes to praying in the Spirit. We need to learn to pray in the Spirit more uh, to help us overcome sickness, disease, lack, and poverty. You know, one of the things that can be causing sickness is you are not uh, discerning the Lord's body well enough, but but if you don't get over there in the Spirit and you don't spend time in the in, in praying in tongues, the Lord can't reveal that to you because you're so busy just going through the motions you can't you can't see it. Well, glory to God, Zach, if you'll come. Uh, tithes and offerings, if you're given online, the instructions will be on the screen in just a moment. And uh, we always give an opportunity to sow. And uh, so, Father, we just thank you. You want to bless the people, bless the offering. Sure. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your your the knowledge of how to pray to you and how to communicate with you and how to how to how to have effective prayer. Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we 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 give into your kingdom with a generous heart because you gave so much unto us. And we ask that you bless our offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. And Lord, that you you bless us as well so that we can be a bigger blessing into your kingdom and unto your people. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for everything you, you do for us, and we thank you for everything you will do for us throughout the week. We ask that you look out for us, that you, you help us in our daily walk, that you help us to, um, to avoid temptations, that you, you help us to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. And, and Lord, we just ask, us, we just ask that, you, that you help us to do as we are supposed to do when, when, we're, when we're drawing near to you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that your word is true.